Welcome, everybody, to the Lockdown Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm joined by Pete Zayas. Pete, the next time you and I talk after the show, the Los Angeles Lakers might be NBA champions. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's keep our head down. Miami's going to be tough. You know, they're gonna, they're going to bring it, but it's I, it's only been not even in the back of my mind. Definitely somewhere in the middle of my mind. Very much wanting to be in the front <laughs> of my mind for the yeah. last you know, 36 hours or so, man, it's, uh, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just going to stutter and stammer every time we talk about it, even if it, if it happens. Yeah. We're I just keep kind of giggling at home, dude. You know, Jen will be like, Oh, did Avery do something? I was like, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally laughing at my daughter right now. And not at all about this team that I get paid to cover. <laughs> oh, it's been so it's been such a long journey too, right? This is the longest NBA season of all time. Yeah. And we didn't even know if it was going to be finished with, mm-hmm. uh, with COVID and all of that. And props to the NBA for their execution of this. It's been nice to kind of forget about the challenges of that. The NFL is going through some of that right now. And it's been nice to just focus on basketball and to be here and have our team on the precipice of another title, man. It's just, this is, this is going to be right up there with the sweetest ones if we're able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because like one thing that I, I haven't particularly enjoyed has been the, the fan policing that we've seen from NBA Twitter. It's like their, their team stopped playing and, and their, their new favorite team has been basically to root, not just for the Lakers, but for anybody who happens to like them. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that that I have noticed in in the fan policing is and and you know what I I kind of get it I'm a Vikings fan so if I heard like a Pats fan saying God it's been so long since we won a championship <laughs> I'd be like okay yeah you can go fuck yourself uh-huh. but 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 also I think there's a lack of context there like it's it's not just that the Lakers haven't won a championship in in a decade it's not just that that they missed the playoffs you know six years ago but this was this was you just said it a second ago for one thing this is the longest season ever ever like objectively the longest season in the history of the sport this is uh a, a an organization that just last year felt like it hit rock bottom mm-hmm. you know you get lebron james and then you miss the playoffs somehow and everything that was said about you kind of sort of wound up being true uh and and you know you come out of that you Obviously, it was not just that Kobe retired, but it almost felt like Kobe's career ended short. You know, he tears his Achilles and we mm-hmm. never really like it was just he was he was incredible for that stretch and then was not anymore. We didn't get to see old man Kobe in the way that we're starting to see old man yeah. LeBron, who yeah. turns 36 in a few months, right? Like it was the Achilles was essentially the end of that dominant player, whereas LeBron one of the real joys of watching LeBron is being able to see the version of him that doesn't jump as high, that isn't as explosive, but is mentally dominant. That has been the only player in NBA history to be the number one option. Like Mm -hmm. the guy who ran the show for this long and everything that he's learned in the whole process of that down to the team's chemistry. The team's chemistry is no accident. And LeBron has a huge hand in that because he's been in on teams that didn't get along. He's been in circumstances where it's worked and circumstances where it hasn't. And 
knowing him the way that we do after a couple of years, he absolutely learned from that and is applying those lessons mm-hmm. to today. And we didn't get that with Kobe, right? He was just, he was this dominant guy that was dragging us to the playoffs in 2013. And then, and then it was basically over with the Achilles Achilles tear. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can go on from there, right? Julius Randle gets drafted. He, there was the, I remember being super excited about the Lakers drafting that high in a draft again. Mm-hmm. First night Couldn't of the wait season. to watch a rookie dude. Yes. First yeah. night of the season. And it was just like, it was just over. And then from there they draft D'Angelo Russell and the annoying conversations that were a product of, of that experience, whether, and, and, you know, it what made it so annoying was that some of some of the knocks are kind of sort of true sure, about his sure. maturity, you know, and 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 yet they were still kind of overblown. So you go through all of that, and then you they draft. It uh, it, it wasn't fun. Like wh- yeah, whatever whoever it was inflicted by, it was not fun. Yeah, like no none of the Lakers rookies like their their first seasons were fun. None of them. Mm-hmm. And and so you would think at some point you would stumble into a fun rookie season. Jordan Clarkson might have been the closest thing to it, and he's Jordan Clarkson, you know. Mm-hmm. So so you know, and and again, like I can understand fans of like the Sacramento Kings telling the Laker fans, "Come on, guys." Yeah, it's <laughs> okay. I, I can too, but it's not really about the longevity. It's about it, the intensity of the experience, yes, right? Like, yeah. if the it Sacramento so Kings are different. It was right. <laughs> so right. different from what Lakers fans were accustomed to. Yeah, that too. That's certainly true is, is expectations and what we've, uh, like you said, grown accustomed to. Also, if you're bad in Sacramento, no one really cares. If you're bad <laughs> with the Lakers, the whole league is dumping on you and the whole league dumped on us for a good seven yeah. years. Right? Well, they dumped and- on us this season in terms of the awards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, most certainly. We'll get to that, right? Yeah. Um, but... It, so it's the the intensity of the experience. There's no experience in the NBA that simulates being a Laker fan and everything that goes into that, right? Even in your friend groups, right? If you're friends with people that are fans of different teams and like the, the Lakers, they, they save an extra degree, an extra little bit of hot sauce for us when we're struggling, right? Mm-hmm. And they delight in it. I always talk about the ruined childhoods and all of that, but there's yep. extra venom in in what we receive from yeah. that, right? A little extra and when you combine cayenne that, pepper in those <laughs> in mm-hmm. those recipes. <laughs> and when you combine that with our own expectations and experiences, uh, it, it's not a matter of oh, it's been so long because it's been ten years. Obviously, there are teams that have waited way longer, but the experience of being a Laker fan isn't particularly comparable to that of most other teams. Also, by the way, it was the first in like the the Twitter era. Right. So a lot of people who were tweeting about the Lakers, this is the first time you get to experience that with all of the friends that we've made via Lakers Twitter. I'm I'm so excited about that. Yeah, yeah. it's it's huge. It's great Just how far we've come. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's been, it. you know, the 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 nights that you and I have 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 analyzed this team and, and Harrison and I and then you and Darius and and all of us together on Twitter. We're, we're, we're just giving each other shit on Twitter because it beats the hell out of talking about the Lakers for good stretches of time. Uh, but, but for, but for where we're at right now, you know, you're looking at, you're looking at a, a, a fan base an online fan base that has never been through this together ever. And, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. that makes it feel even longer. It does. It does. The last time we won a title, it was the, 
the world of online forms, right? And yeah. Lakers ground and um, what was the other one? Clover AM570 had one that got that got shut down. And I was so bummed about that. That uh-huh. was like my first blogs where where I would like break sure. down games for AM570. Yeah, those are the those are the precursors <laughs> to where we are now. Yeah, those were that was the last time we won a title. That was the online world. Yep. Yep. Uh, we are going to so today's show. We are going to. I want to talk about the this latest like Rob Palenka. I think it got robbed from for for executive of the year. Uh, I think there was a lot of double standards at play with the guys that got voted above him. Uh, I want to talk about the reaction to Lakers fan pointing out that their team's executive uh, got robbed, and how I don't think any other team pointing that out, given the season that the Lakers had would would receive that vitriol so i'm going to talk about that and then at the end of the show we are going to uh open up the i I asked for some questions on twitter and so we will uh go ahead and and respond to as many of those as we possibly can so sit tight when we come back we'll talk about palinka and we will talk about the uh the, the response to lakers fans responses to him getting robbed no pun intended this is a little intended Today's show is brought to you in part by Built Go. Built Go is honestly a must-have, uh, given the current schedule of sports and how late I'm staying up, and then how early Avery is being nice enough to wake up for me. Uh, last night, the Dodgers game went well past, I believe, midnight, and then Avery and, and after a game like that, it's not like you can just all right, time for bed right after such an, an adrenaline-filled game. Uh, and then, you know, so you, you fall asleep at about 1, 1.30. Avery was up at about 7.30 this morning and has refused to take a nap also today. So just an all-around banner day for, for this lovely child of mine. Uh, fortunately, though, I have these Built Go packets. They're just an ounce and a half of this gel that you just you, you, you take and just immediately feel better and... You know you could go out and get some coffee or you can go out and get one of those five hour energies and you're gonna crash after it but with this it just kind of picks you up and then gently kind of works you back into something close to what you would like to feel uh, throughout the entire day so if you feel yourself hitting a wall go check out builtgo.com and enter the promo code locked for 25 20% off uh, but only at builtgo.com uh, where you can find uh, collagen protein that is fast absorbing and it gets into the system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach, uh, and and it's it's just it just promotes all around health throughout your body as well. So again, that is builtgo.com. It's where you're going to want to visit. Use promo code LOCKED and you get 20% off your next order. One more time, LOCKED at builtgo.com. Let's go. So the the news of the day was that Rob Palinka finishes uh, 7th in voting for GM of the year. Uh, above him was Lawrence Frank, who won the award. Sam Presti, who, uh, who was a part of the trade where they, according to a lot of people, ripped off the Clippers for Paul George. Uh, Pat who Riley. Won award. Mm-hmm. Who, who won the award. Right, right, yeah. right. R- ripped off the guy who won the award. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, Pat Riley, who the Lakers are about to beat in the finals, and the Lakers finished well above them in the standings by the end of the year. John Horst, who most notably let uh, Malcolm Brogdon walk out the door uh, for, for Milwaukee. And Masai Ujiri it, with Toronto, who, yes, they rebuilt despite, or, or they, they rebounded uh, despite not having Kawhi Leonard, but with most of the t- same team, not there wasn't hmm. there wasn't much done there. Zach Kleiman of Memphis was sixth. He drafted John Morant, the rookie of the year, but that and was Clark, kind of yeah. a consensus pick, I believe. By the they time had a very good draft, them. though. They put together yeah. a good team in Memphis. They did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. And he and Kleiman also is the only other coach besides Polinka who hired a coach, or the only GM on this list besides Polinka who hired mm-hmm. a coach, which I think right. should be pointed out here too. Yeah. And so. Now, this is a little bit different from the media awards because this is other executives, I believe, voting for yeah. this one. Yeah. And 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 I think I think that's kind of where I want to start this conversation because they kind of serve as like like NBA Twitter gets to live vicariously through these GMs, right? Mm-hmm. Who who put these awards in or these votes in. And I think for for most of those guys the their votes reflected some jealousy i don't i know it sounds condescending of me to say that but they're probably looking at palenka and they're saying well lebron did all that stuff behind the scenes anyway and and that lebron didn't choose frank vogel uh lebron and ad uh both played roles in the guys that they in the uh supporting cast that got put together with this team but palenka i think there's value in just getting out of the way and and given how headstrong some GMs and executives can be, uh, not not everybody would have done that. So like, I I don't know what was first. We'll start with your reaction to the award and the votes, the way that they went down itself. Yeah, I, not surprised at all. Um, and I I think the feelings toward the Lakers, the ill feelings toward the Lakers, permeate really every part of basketball from fans to media to, to other teams. And mm-hmm. I think that we, we saw that here. I, uh, the, you know, the fact that Frank won for like, if you, if you look at it, first off, it's executive of the year, right? Mm-hmm. So guys like, like Horst and, uh, and Ujiri, they, you know, they've built excellent programs, but mm-hmm. most of that work was done in previous years. Right. Secondly, with even the Clippers, Frank, by the way, is like that too. <laughs> right, right. No, great point. Right. And and that's the thing is the Lakers traversed more territory if you want to talk about improvement, even if this it's like, oh, this is just a regular season award. Well, first of all, the Clippers were touted as being a 48 win team that added a superstar and an all star. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if it's just a regular season award, they didn't improve by that much relative to the year before. Right. And secondly, they they gave up a lot mm-hmm. and we finished five and a half games ahead of them. Right. We improved more from one year to the next. It, it's difficult to simultaneously argue as they did. And we did right. That the, the front office is a mess. Lakers don't know what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, if that was your position at, as, as it was our position mm-hmm. at the end of last season, don't you have to, say that something good happened like something good happened if it's a regular during- season award and the lakers won more games than only one or everybody but one team and they mm-hmm. weren't like 
they weren't eons behind Milwaukee, by the way. Like, Not at all. <laughs> you nope. know, they, they were. So if this is a regular season award, the guy who put together the roster that won that many games should probably get more credit than seventh in the standings. That's the right. And, and, and furthermore, the, I, I kind of bristle at the idea that this was put together by LeBron, right. Is in that, Again, so many people's position was, well, yeah, you have LeBron and Anthony Davis, but look at the supporting cast. This isn't Mm -hmm. a championship team. Not only is it a championship caliber team, and they've proven that, and they walked away with the Western Conference during the regular season, which is the period of time this was voted on. Mm -hmm. You also have... um, (sighs) Do we need Petty Pete? No, no, yeah, yeah. I just have to pick my words carefully. All right, so so the Kawhi thing, right? How often does your plan B in life work out best case scenario? It was your plan B, right? We waited. We waited in free agency just ask to Jen. hear what, what was going <laughs> to But we waited to see what Kawhi was going to do. We waited a, a whole bunch of people signed, and not only were we able to get guys, we were able to put something together where it fit together particularly well, right? There's no, there's an ethos on this team that bigger, faster, stronger, everybody's going to defend. If, mm-hmm. if you're, you know, we build around LeBron and Anthony Davis and get guys whose skill sets really fit what they do as a plan B, right? That, that, in, that involves a great deal of preparation, and that's where I think Polinka is really uh, – that's where his greatest skill is. And that's something that we heard about the last couple of years, right, where he's got, you know, a thousand different scenarios in a, in a notebook, right? And, and he's, yeah. uh, you know, if this happens, then we go this route. And, and I don't think it's a coincidence, you know, as Kobe's former agent, this is somebody who is tremendously prepared for different contingencies. And that's a great attribute to have in, as in your GM when yeah. you don't know which way certain things are going to go. Not right. everything is in your control. So especially uh, in it, the player empowerment era where. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's the other of, thing too. So, so much of what's being, what, what gets decided on what you're allowed to do is based on what some player is feeling about in that minute. That's a great point because, and that's an, an another, we look at GMs historically as being the, the puppet master, right? The guy who puts it all together, but it's from a perception of they're in control. They're the ones controlling who could, but really it's the players who are in control. Right. Rob Palenka is a former agent is he's somebody who understands that and understands that we're partners with these guys, especially the, the superstars. Right. And so rather than having a mentality, and I think this is true from the, the team of having a mentality of like, Oh, you're, like we control you, you're one of our players, but in the power dynamic, we're the ones in charge that it's understood that it's a partnership and that everybody working together, it's in everybody's best interest. And But in order to do that, you really need to, to listen to your stars. You need to include them. You need to, they need to be a part of, of what you do. And that's often looked at as a, a you know, so-and-so is running the Lakers who shouldn't be for whatever reason, but no, that, that those are people that are in the Lakers sphere and they have a voice mm-hmm. and they should have a voice, right? That, that comes with it. And I think that the ability to work with that without ego, without be, wanting to assert your dominance, your authority and w- working with it instead, I think that should be praised rather than mocked. Yeah, I agree completely. 
the the other thing that that came about after this was a whole bunch of people telling the Lakers, you guys are about to win a championship. Just be happy about that. Why do you have to also whine about this thing? It's like, look, being able to multitask is is one of the few things I, I am actually pretty decent at. So I can feel multiple emotions at one time. I can be a little annoyed at at some of the double standards and hypocrisy that goes on with some of these awards. I can point out those things and then also be super excited and giddy for, for half of my day or for most of my day about the fact that the Lakers are about to win a championship. Those, those two things aren't mutually exclusive. I think it's really lame that they're telling people you were only allowed to feel one thing. Oh man. I, yeah, that's part of what makes this such a phenomenal run is that it's satisfying on so many different levels. <laughs> so I will leave it to us to, you know, celebrate and how we enjoy yeah. if it comes to that point, like we'll handle that. They can worry about them themselves. They certainly didn't have any problem, uh, you know, mocking and pointing the finger at the Lakers when that was appropriate. So them regulating how Lakers celebrate and Laker fans celebrate is, is certainly rich. Yeah. It, well, and then, you know, really quickly before we throw to the third segment, this is on the backs of the last couple of days, you and I, and the Kamenetsky brothers, Darius Harrison, and Aaron mm. Larsoul, we were all in this thread that is now one of the longest threads I've ever been a part of, um, reacting to a Chris Mannix article in which the basis of the analysis was like, yeah, I was wrong, but so was everybody else. Mm. And who could have possibly seen this Lakers run coming? And and I just think there's a level of uh, disingenuous disingenuousness to to that approach to this that I think really kind of highlights a lot of what I think and I think you and agree you you and I agree on this is is wrong with the way basketball analysis is done and and it's something that like you and I and Harrison and Darius and even the Kamenetsky brothers oddly enough have have actually gone out of our way to to try to combat that way that type of of analysis that form that approach to quote unquote inform and I'm, I'm doing air quotes uh informing your readership on on what's going on in the league and i just think you know you can be you and i were wrong to start the year i was yeah. way wronger <laughs> yeah we were wrong about a lot of things i yeah. was i was loud wrong about a mm -hmm. lot of the a lot of parts of this lakers team but you know what if you if you admit to being wrong in the first place, that makes you less likely to make those mistakes later, later on again, should a similar situation arise. Yeah. Being wrong is always, especially in an industry where your opinion is what you make your money off of, right? People listen to our opinions to, you know, they, they listen. Our credibility is on the line with every word yeah. that we say. And so it's every opportunity not have any. It's <laughs> and every time we're wrong, I don't think, you know, nobody expects everybody to get any, everything right. But I do think that it's a fair expectation from fans that when we are wrong, we're able to acknowledge that we were wrong mm -hmm. and that we take the time to examine what is it that caused me to be wrong about this. And sometimes it's something, so Rob Plenka, for example, mm -hmm. was wrong about him. And now this is easier as a Laker fan because the way in which I was wrong makes me happier as a Laker right. fan, right? right? So, so, and that's not necessarily the case with a guy like Mannix, right? So, but with that caveat, the 
reviewing, well, why was I wrong about Palenka? Where, where could I have seen it coming? And we've talked about this a little bit, you know, off the air, mm-hmm. but uh, I, we're so far away from the day-to-day operations of how the front office works that it can be easy to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater and which with how messy things were last season. And it was like, man, you know, get everybody the hell out of here, get somebody in here who knows who can stabilize this. Right. There's a podcast that that I started with sell the team. Like it was titled sell the team. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't agree by the way, Jeannie. I did not agree. Wanted nothing to do with that. No, no, I did not. Um, But yeah. uh, And so that overall chaos, I painted everybody with too broad of a brush. Mm -hmm. Secondly, and this is the part we've talked about offline is I should have known that the guy that Kobe Bryant entrusted with his career would like Kobe would, Kobe was such so focused on his work so focused on his craft mm-hmm. that, and it wasn't just that he entrusted Rob to do that. They were close. They were friends. Mm-hmm. And if Kobe trusted and what and Kobe trusted was and respected was the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Right. This was even, you could be as talented as Shaq and they would, they clashed in, in part before. Right. And so it wasn't a matter of like, can you put up 20 and 12? It was, did you take the steps to do, to do the work? Mm-hmm. And, it should have been a bright neon sign for me that, oh, this guy, Kobe trusted this guy. Maybe let's give him a chance before we start saying, oh, get somebody else in here. And that's, I, I think this season, despite the voting, you know, I, I think that proved to be true is that this was somebody who was very prepared. Like, sure, LeBron and Anthony Davis is a phenomenal head start. He helped make both of those things happen. But if all you, if you want to give most of the credit otherwhere or elsewhere for LeBron and AD being here, fine. But the argument all year against this team was, yeah, they got LeBron and AD, but dot, dot, yeah. dot. Right. Well, the but turned out to be very well constructed, and mm-hmm. Rob Palenka had a, a big, a big part of that. Yeah, and and also by the way, <laughs> I go back to it's it's a regular season award. It's a regular season award, and that was that point was made with like LeBron and Giannis, right? Which even there, I think there are still fair counterpoints to be made there. But it's a regular season award. It's a regular season award. Well. During the regular season, Rob Polinka made one of the most impactful mid-season acquisitions in Markeith Morris that you and I have and may ever will see. Like that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of addition to the team, uh, given the circumstances and given his production since, that doesn't happen very often. Like it, it just it just doesn't for a team that's about to win a championship. Markeith Morris has been a big reason why. Not like a cherry on top kind of guy. Not like, you know, he gives us some minutes here and there and you hope that he isn't too big a, a, a negative factor elsewhere. No, this guy has been nails for, for the Lakers. And, and if this is a regular season award and the Lakers had the second best regular season in the NBA and did the most to do it, to, to get there, and also during this regular season added somebody that's going to help winning that, win them a championship, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know what an executive year looks like if it doesn't look like that. And I'm not sure what the team that did win it, how well their midseason acquisitions helped them. You right. Know, how much well, like they, we they said, Sam Presti's them, so. right there because he he swindled 
the Clippers of so many assets <laughs> to, when, when he gave up Paul George. All right, let's take a quick second here. When we come back, let's get back to having fun about this season uh, and send you off into the weekend. Hopefully, uh, to, you know, for, for hope, hopefully sending you off into a championship weekend. We have 26 questions. I don't think we're going to get to that. <laughs> First question here comes from uh, at young no clout. Work on getting that clout up, man. One day. Uh, Pete has mentioned he believes this may be a historically great team. Can you guys talk about why that could be? Big props to both of you. Thanks for all the enjoyment and great in, uh, analysis. Well, thank you. So I think that this is a combination of some of the better attributes of the Shaq and Kobe teams and then the 2009 slash 2010 teams in that it's a two superstar team, but it's also a shape-shifting team, right? And we can play a multitude of different styles. That was one of the very cool things about every opponent that we've played in aggregate is that like you got the big bruising big in Nikola Jokic. You've got the small ball you know, Rockets. team in, in the Rockets, you've got the pick and roll killer in Dame and the Blazers, mm -hmm. and you've got a, a wing led team of, of, you know, tough guys and, and wings that runs a great system. That's kind of warriors esque uh, mm -hmm. in Miami. We were able to shape shift and have been able to shape shift to beat each of them. Hopefully one more from Miami. Um, and that was something that was reminiscent of the 2009 team in that we had our starters, which were big. Uh, and then we had our bench unit, which was fast in Sasha and Jordan Farmar, Shannon Brown, Trevor Ariza. Uh, Ariza later started, of course. Um, and then you had the closing unit, which was kind of a hybrid of the two where Powell would move to the center. Lamar would be at the four. Kobe would be in the game. And, when you combine that with those attributes with it's probably the best defensive team I've seen the, from, from the Lakers, it's, it's right up there near the top uh, of the great Laker teams of all time. And those are the ones that I judge because I watch them on an everyday basis, not the 96 Bulls, not the Warriors, but I do have a lot of basis of comparison with other Lakers teams that I watch every single game of this team's right near the top of that because of those attributes. Well, and and I'll just, I, I agree with all of that. I would just really quickly add, you know, greatness is usually in comparison to the teams that you succeed over. And there are very few teams that go five, 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 five. Mm -hmm. That just yeah. doesn't happen very often. Uh, yep. So, so yeah, that, that's, that's my kind of shorter version answer to that, to that question. Uh, next one comes from uh, Mark Berland in game four, any Laker not, Oh, actually, you know what? There's a, there's a, there's a different one here. Um, we'll answer that one in a second, but, uh, Chase Aguiar, uh, asks thought on what it would take for LeBron to get his Jersey retired as a Laker and, and also, uh, Anthony Davis as well. I mean, a couple more years of this. It, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe one title does it. I don't mm -hmm. know what, what the standard will be, but LeBron, it's not just one title. It's it's getting us back on our feet yeah, and back to where we were, right? It's all of the distance that LeBron has helped us cover to get to this point. 
And I mean, hopefully it's more than one title, but just to get us to this point, winning another one after where we were, I mean, I don't know. Maybe my standards are are too low, but uh, no, I agree. even beyond even beyond LeBron, man, going to Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis just needs to keep doing what he's doing. LeBron Davis, Le- LeBron James just needs to. I don't even know if he needs to do this more than one year, frankly, uh, to get his name up there. But keep keep doing what they're doing, frankly. I think I think LeBron has already done the work necessary. Like if they win this championship, like you said, it's not just mm-hmm. this season. It's Last season was a disaster. Heading into the season, there's a reason why you and I were were so nervous heading into this one. Sure. You know, and to to go from that to this in the matter of a year, and with him still being the driving force behind that, and then also, you know, we also have to 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 point out the obvious, also helping behind the scenes to help get Anthony Davis here, like that, and set and help set up the Lakers for for years to come because of that. Right. That's it, man. Like that's that's yeah, Le- Le- that's Le- enough for me. LeBron could retire after this season, and yeah, his impact don't. on please don't right, <laughs> but his impact on the Lakers would still be immensely positive, even going forward in the future. So yeah, yeah. man, I like he's he's uh, he's a Laker. AD is a little trickier because like I think he needs to finish his career with the Lakers, or at least or, be or here. at least have a have a stretch, right? Like yeah. have a long long stretch. He, I think he needs to be here like five, six years, given when he came to the Lakers, you know? Uh, and sure, then during that, that time, probably win another championship, I think. But, hmm. uh, or at least get close. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I think his, like, LeBron's work is done here in order to get that, you know, to be honored with that. I think Davis has a little ways to go beyond this to, to get I- his number up there. I just think of some of the players that we have retired that they're yeah. not all Shaq and Chamberlain. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? There's, there's some guys who Anthony Davis is a better player than them and will have more of yeah. an impact over the next five years than they did. And the, those guys are still rightfully up there. It's just, yeah. uh, if I'm talking Anthony Davis, AD plays with us five years. I have a hard time seeing him not up there. I'm very picky with stuff like this. Sure. I have sure. a very high bar for, for Hall of Fame talk, for, for retirement talk, statue talk, you know. Yes, for me it's statue talk, right? Like yeah. it's a difference between having being inside the building and having your statue outside of it. Yeah. Uh let's go one or two more questions here. Mark Berland, uh in game four, any Laker not called LeBron seemed to be avoiding driving to the basket. Was this intentional uh response to something that Miami was doing? Because I, I I actually think this was something that helped switch the game when that when they stopped doing that or started doing that. Yeah, I to me, Kentavious Caldwell Pope was really aggressive in this game and attacking the basket. He had a few assists off of driving kicks. He had a couple of attacks at the basket, including that big one on Duncan Robinson. But by and large, yes, that's the case that we did not do much in the way of dribble penetration. In part because that is, I mean, how do you? try to beat the Lakers. You try to make Danny Green and KCP hit shots. Alex Crusoe hit jumpers, Rajon Rondo, even LeBron James, but just pack the paint. And so when the paint is packed, there are not 
quite the driving lanes that there otherwise were. That's why the switch from Dwight Howard to Markeith Morris in the second half was especially helpful because the Lakers could go five out, create a little bit more space, and all of a sudden you've got more in the way of driving lanes there. So I, I think it was more of a function of Miami's defense just really, really collapsing into the paint because that's what you have to do against us. And at some point, you got to start making jumpers. That's why I thought LeBron's two threes in the third quarter were particularly helpful. But I think that's most of the reason why. Yeah, that's that's actually where I was going to start was with LeBron uh, hitting a couple shots. I think that opened up the 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 offense for for everybody, including himself, by the way. But um, Miami, even when they weren't playing, you know, actual hardly defined zone. They still have a lot of zone concepts of in sure. in their man defense, and and I think for for guys like KCP, Danny Green, even Alex Caruso, you aren't going to be very comfortable. Kyle Kuzma also, you aren't going to be very comfortable driving in against or dribbling against that kind of defense, any type of a zone at all. So once mm-hmm. the Lakers opened things up and and forced the, the the Heat out of some of those zone concepts, that's I think when when. And then, and then to those guys' credit, KCP especially, driving hard to the basket was mm-hmm. a huge difference. Not just yeah. kind of poking and prodding and meandering into the into the the key. No, going in there with a purpose and going in there with intent. That that yeah. to me really opened up the game. And if that continues, by the way, because you know he's still going to be guarded by Duncan Robinson. He's still going to be guarded by by Tyler Hero. And I don't think those guys can stay in front of him in a vacuum, let alone on closeouts. And if he can continue doing that, then, then I don't really know what the adjustment there is for, for Miami. Cause the, the technical adjustment would be, well, take, take uh, some of the attention from elsewhere where, where the elsewhere in this situation is going to be LeBron and AD. Yeah. They've already kind of maxed out that uh, they they're overloading LeBron and AD as much as they can and making everybody else beat them. And at some point, that becomes really problematic because other guys are open. KCP was attacking so many closeouts that, you know, he can, he can do that, that straight line drives, you know, put on that turbo boost to the rim and and get all the way. So if they defend that same way, KCP needs to stay aggressive. Yep, absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the locked on Lakers podcast. Uh, Depending on how tonight's game, by the time you guys are listening to this uh, goes, we will figure out uh, what we are going to do for, for recording. I know for, uh, I'll say this, the show isn't going to be up right after the game. No, I am partying. I will probably be <laughs> mostly drunk. Yes, air. you and I, um, you and I both will, yeah. will will have nice buzzes. I already told Jen. Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah, yeah I already told Jen I want to go out and get some cheap champagne. I'm going to spray my backyard with some champagne. Uh, wow. You've been lecturing me about the basketball gods all week, and you're making plans <laughs> for champagne. If that's okay, basketball. I have my liquor. I have my liquor already here. Thank you very much. And I'll either be drinking for happiness or sadness. (laughs) Well, I have that too. I just, you know, I have the the particularly happy champagne potentially. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Touche. Touche. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Make somebody else's, and hopefully, we'll talk to you next time.